So before we get started, please take a minute to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitter at iShipItPod. You can also visit us on our website, iShipItPod.com, or email any questions or comments directly at iShipItPod, or to, uh, to us, to us at iShipItPodGmail.com. And every time I say this, I feel like Alexi Darling from Buzzline. <laughs> You can email me at darlingalexinewscom.net or you can page me at... But if you are feeling supportive and you want to help us grow, you can donate via PayPal, shop our Amazon affiliate link, or buy us a coffee. And last but certainly not least, please rate and review us on iTunes and tell your friends that you ship it. Pretty please. Thor ate a lot of Pop-Tarts in these fanfics. It is a hot garbage fire. Do you not know what sex pollen is? I mean, phantom seed... What? <laughs> I don't care. I ship it. I don't care. I hey there, geek girls, geek boys, and geeks beyond the binary. This is Emily J with the I Ship It podcast, your safe space on the internet for fan fiction, fandom, and all that stuff you've been pretending you're not reading on your phones. Oh boy. Uh, hey guys. Hope we're doing okay. Um, I've I've kind of gotten into a habit of uh, starting these these episodes with like a quarantine update, but I mean, is that is that serving anybody right now? <laughs> like honestly, whatever week we're in, it doesn't matter. The shiny's really worn off. Like I feel like I've cooked and baked everything that I know how to do twice, and now I'm just feeling lazy and don't want to cook and bake anymore. And I'm like worrying about how much of an ass print is being like un you know irrevocably put into my couches like they're kind of those like micro suede so every time I get up I can actually see an imprint of my ass so I'm like oh I should not spend so much time in that exact position um but I do anyway it doesn't matter and like I don't know this past week's been just like garbage I didn't write or publish anything new like any kind of fic or whatever and I don't play Animal Crossing, and I have no ability to play Animal Crossing. So there's a lot of talk about the price of turnips right now that's really stressing me out because I don't understand if it's something I need to be more worried about because, like, the people I know in my life, which is so many people, by the way, talking about the price of turnips in Animal Crossing, it's... <laughs> And I have to remind myself that it's in Animal Crossing because I'm like, I've never actually eaten a turnip in my life. Do I care how much they are? Like you could be, they could be price gouging turnips right now at the grocery store. I have no idea. I don't even know if, if you can buy them there. I don't even know what they look like. Now that I'm saying this out loud, I realize how insane that sounds. I've never had a turnip. Feel free to hit me up with your turnip recipes because maybe they'll be my favorite thing in the world. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is with the turnips in Animal Crossing, but it's stressing a lot of people the fuck out. And I am being stressed out kind of on the side. <laughs> I'm turnip stressed adjacent, I guess. Um, so fix that shit, whatever it is, Animal Crossing, get your fucking shit together because I, I can't hear about it anymore. So anyway, <laughs> point being... It's just like a lot of beige right now. And beige is fine. It's whatever. It's not bad. It's just like beige is never going to be anybody's top choice. I say with the exception of my cousin who frequently lists oatmeal as her favorite color, but she's not correct. And 
that's how I'm feeling right now. It's like beige or undressed oatmeal. <laughs> like just like everything's kind of like, it's fine. It's not great. Most days it's like, it's okay. <laughs> it's the best I can say. Um, I hope you're having a less oatmeal time or a less beige time. Um, something unbeige that happened this week, pretty much the only thing that's kind of standing out. I don't even remember if I cooked or baked anything great this week. I don't think I did. Uh, I made some French toast that was good. That was real good. It was. Okay. So French toast was good. Uh, I bought and consumed sausage links for the first time in my entire life. <laughs> I'd eaten links before, but I'd never cooked them. Um, mostly because it felt like cannibalism. <laughs> because somebody in my life once told me that I had legs that looked like sausage links shoved into casing. And I was always like, well, I can't eat those now. Thanks, bitch. <laughs> Uh, six years old. I'm certainly not going to hold on to this for the rest of my life. But anyway, got over that, I guess. I guess I'm healed. That's what I did this week. <laughs> I unconsciously healed myself from a traumatic memory of my childhood. So great. Good job. Well done. I also apparently made some bomb ass French toast that I forgot about until two minutes ago. Otherwise, I don't think I did. I don't culinary wise. I don't think I did anything exciting. It's all been kind of old faves. Yeah. So whatever, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. The unbeige thing that I was going to talk about has nothing to do with my childhood trauma or French toast. Uh, it is that we finally broke down and got some real masks for going out in the pandemic. Um, just essential visits. All right. Not fucking bullshit that's happening around the country. I don't get into that at all. I get super salty. And my salt is only funny and appropriate on this podcast when it's fandom related. So, um, finally wrote down, got some real masks. Um, they're really fun prints and colors. And, uh, when Jer wears one in particular, that is like a dark, all colored, like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, he gives us, he has like his hair down and he, like wears like this like standard black t-shirt that he likes. Like he has a lot of black t-shirts, but like when he's wearing one of those and he has his hair down, he wears this mask. He gives us these very strong winter soldier vibes and I'm like 10,000% here for it. Um, I also kind of forgot that he's listening right now. So, hey, it's working for you. I have three black t-shirts. <laughs> I just wear them all the time. Right. Because but who needs more than like <laughs> a shirt or two in this time? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that when you wear a black t-shirt with your hair down and a mask, it's V Winter Soldier. And I'm very much here for it. Um, fun fact, fun story that I'm going to segue for a second. I'm going to run around the point here. Um, so there's this video of, uh, Seb Stan. It's like Entertainment Weekly visited the set of Infinity War or something. I think it was around Infinity War where he has like his long, sexy winter soldier hair and a beard and a black t-shirt. And I think we all have all seen this interview because it's been gifted 10 billion times, um, where he like is like in the middle of a conversation and he just like pulls out a knife and starts like scratching his back or something. It's a weird thing. Anyway, I've seen it 7,000 times and I didn't really think about it until I want to say like a year ago, maybe two years ago. I have no idea when this happened. It could have been last week. Um, but sexy producer husband with his own shoulder length, sexy dark hair and beard and frequently clad in a black t-shirt was talking to me and he randomly pulls a knife out to open a box we just received. And my brain connected the Substan gif with the sexy Jerry reality in front of me. And I was like, oh damn. <laughs> 
And it was just like one of those moments where you ever like high five yourself for developing another crush on your significant other. Because that's what I did. Like, obviously, I'm always attracted to you, my love, Jer. Mm. But <laughs> that happened. And I like gave myself a pat on the back. I was like, girl, you did good. And I was like, I know, right? Check it out. Um, So, you know, 10 years together. That's how my brain keeps the magic alive. <laughs> so... Um, anyway, I encourage all of you to get as many crushes on your significant others as possible because <laughs> it's, uh, I hear it's, it's a healthy thing. I don't know. I don't talk to anybody about my relationships. I talk to you guys. <laughs> you don't talk back though. So anyway, that was a seg. <sighs> Enjoy it. Um, but since I am talking about masks, uh, we can dive right into Artist Alley because that's who I'm featuring this week. Um, The person who made our masks is named Emily, and she's a tattoo artist here in Pacific Northwest, and she's actually the one responsible for my geek sleeve, gorgeous ink that I love so much. Pretty sure I've shared pictures of it. If not, I will have something else to Instagram um, this week, which is fun. So it's this gorgeous watercolor of all my fandoms, and she put it together for me and did it, and she's amazing. But since the quarantine has put the kibosh on how she makes her living, she started sewing non-medical masks in these like dope prints like ours. We have neon unicorn kittens and sugar skulls, but she's got like a bunch of others too. And she's also doing art commissions and selling prints of her work um, via Instagram. So check her out. Keep her afloat because I've got this super sweet idea for a second sleeve featuring Freddie Mercury and portraits of my cats for the day in the very distant future when I have tattoo money again. So I need her to still be in business. So this is like an entirely selfish artist alley here this week. But you will enjoy what you find, I promise. She's very gifted. And like I said, her masks are super sweet. So check it out, yo. All right. So that's uh, that's our housekeeping <laughs> for the episode. With that being said, um, we could actually dive right into our topic. I don't think I have anything else to add right now. Patreon and other things are still in the works. I don't really have anything new to add to that. So, um, although it did seem to the, the winning idea, the thing that would make you guys like most interested in supporting us would be extra episodes as Patreon supporters. And I think I could probably get my shit together enough to do that for you. So that is a thing that is still, uh, still in the parking lot, but I think about it every single day. So there's that. If that means anything to you. Any whoozlebees. Topic of the week came to me um, when Jared and I watched Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp some number of sleeps ago. I, I don't know when it was. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Because those movies are amazing and totally undervalued part of the MCU. And I can say this because up until this most recent viewing, I also undervalued them. I didn't even bother to see Ant-Man and the Wasp until whatever day that was, Thursday, maybe Thursday, Friday, something like that. Um, That's how under they were valued. It's been out for like three years, three years, two years. It doesn't matter, I guess. Yeah. Well, it was before Infinity War, right? No, after Infinity War. Yeah, because we had to know that they got snapped. This is all absolutely unnecessary. Maybe two years. It doesn't matter. I didn't see it when it came out. And that's possibly because I was very bruised. I was still delicate and shattered from Infinity War. But I should have. Because 
not valuing this this whole little subsection of the franchise is bullshit bullshit i say to my former self mostly and anybody else who's rolling their eyes going ah fuck is this gonna be an ant-man episode no it isn't because i can't talk about ant-man for an hour and a half without my girl Ange and her eternal thirst for paul rudd so Ange, if you're listening text me call me whatever we will do a long distance guest episode and you can thirst eternal about paul rudd and we can deep dive into ant-man um but that's not what we're doing this week because we're talking about the true all-stars of the Ant-Man films and and not just these characters in particular, but the idea of these characters, which are a huge part of so many other beloved stories and uh, pieces of media. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. I don't want to say franchise because that sounds so commercial, but pieces of media doesn't sound great either. Um, so I'll just say stories. They could be books. They could be whatever. Um I'm talking about the side characters and I'm calling them side characters for now because I don't feel like sidekick is necessarily what I'm talking about. There's like a big difference between sidekicks and side characters. And obviously there's a huge divide, of course, between this subset and then like the main characters or like the leading, the leads. Um, There's a, uh, it doesn't matter. I was going to say something about being a side character, leading lady or whatever in your own life. You can watch the holiday and hear that for yourself. It's It does not serve anybody in this setting. So let's stick to the point. A side character versus sidekick. So let's discuss the differences, okay? So sidekicks. Sidekick is frequently attached to the main character, obviously. Um, they share most of the screen time and page time. And if they're not directly experiencing the hero's drama, they're at least present for it, right? Like they're there to be, and they're there to be relatable, to make us like the main character when he or she isn't totally likable. Like usually the audience is going to latch onto the sidekick first because they're more relatable. And then through the sidekick's eyes, we come to know and love the main character. At least that's how it works for me. I don't know if that ha- that's what happens with everybody. Um, but yeah, so when I say sidekick, the following characters are coming to mind. So like John Watson to Sherlock Holmes, sidekick. Xander Harris and Willow Rosenberg from Buffy or Ron and Hermione, all Harry Potter, Robin from Batman. You get it. Does Superman have a sidekick? I don't think he does. I think he works alone. I know nothing about Superman. Every time I think about it, I think maybe I should learn anything about Superman. I know nothing at all. Well, I guess Lois Lane is a sidekick, right? Maybe. But she's not really super. She's like his love interest. Am I devaluing her? Am I saying these things wrong? I don't know. I know nothing except that he was most recently played by Henry Cavill and he looked really good doing it. Otherwise, (laughs) nothing. Anyway, they're not the hero, but they're still a main character, right? Nobody would ever say that like Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger were not main characters of the Harry Potter series. So they're not the hero, but they're not usually removed from any part of the main story. So, but side characters are different. Okay, so side characters, they don't get as much screen time or page time as a sidekick, but they're there to like fill in the blank space in the back. They're not an extra. They're more than like the featured extra, but they're not full-blown sidekicks. They're not there even for us to get super attached 
Um, but more to like remind the audience, I think that this universe is like a full, rich place full of people doing their own thing outside the hero's journey. Why did I bring up the fact that watching Ant-Man is what made me decide I wanted to talk about sidekicks and side characters this week? Because the Wombats are the best group of side characters. They're called the Wombats uh, in fandom, at least. I don't think this is like an official thing at all. But Hank Pym refers, Scott is talking about people that he knows and he's referring to them. And Hank Pym cuts him off and he's like, no, not those wombats. And it's priceless. It's wonderful. But anyway, so the wombats are are a uh, a, grew, a trio of ex-cons that are friends with Scott, help him on his journey. Um, but they're not part of most of his missions. They're like helping him along, but they're not they're not in the trenches with him, kind of. They're like the they're, I mean, they're they're just outside the sidekick realm because Scott is kind of like Hope's sidekick by the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp. So that's fine. Anyway, wombats have their own thing going on and they have their own shit and they, they're doing, they do the thing. The wombats are there to be this essential piece of quality writing and something that's my favorite thing in any story that I end up loving, which I'll get to in a second um, because they're important, right? You know who they are. You develop... A, you know, a softness for them, but they're not so, so important that you don't forget about them for a little bit. That's like an essential part of a side character. Okay. So when the main shit is going down, a side character can be forgettable. So you're not t- distracting yourself being like, damn, where are the wombats right now? Or like, where's Neville? What's he doing? When, you know, Harry is like actively fighting Voldemort in the woods, for instance. Well, you're not fighting him in the woods, whatever. When all that shit's going down in the Forbidden Forest, I recall not thinking like, gosh, I hope Neville's okay. Because I had other shit to worry about. And Neville, I love him so much, but he is a side character. We'll get to him. Anyway, you don't have time to think about that because you're invested in the hero's journey and that's what you should be doing, all right? The signs of good writing is when you're focused on the person, the character, whatever, the action that's in front of you that the author wanted you to focus on, okay? But when you do find out what's going on with the side characters, it's like the greatest thing in the world because you've forgotten about somebody from a little bit earlier and then they show up and they save the day or they they restore like this last little bit of hope that you like things were all gone and wrong or whatever. And then like there's Neville in the sweater vest or there's Boo Radley behind the door. I call them Boo Radley moments. Nobody else in my entire life calls them Boo Radley moments. And nobody understands what the fuck I'm talking about when I say this. So I'm imparting this bit of Emilyism to you guys. Maybe you can help me spread this around. So in To Kill a Mockingbird, all right, Boo Radley is a huge part of the first act, I'd say. He's like really important to these kids in the first act. And then in the second act, a lot of crazy racist shit happens. It's very dark. It's very bad. And you forget about Boo Radley until the very, very, very end when you have totally forgotten about him because you're caught up in all the other racist bullshit that goes on at To Kill a Mockingbird. And then he shows up at the very end and he saves the day. I'm not giving anything away. I refuse to say the word spoiler alert because that book has been around for goddamn ever. And you don't know who Boo Radley is. You're in for a treat. Um, 
But he shows up and I cry my eyes out every time I read Scout say the words, hey, boo, because of course that's who saved her because he was so important and yet I forgot about him because he's a perfect side character. Um, There's another example of this in the movie Million Dollar Baby, which again, I feel I'm alone in my principles. Yes, it won Best Actor, but nobody likes this movie. Uh, or best picture I think it won best picture and maybe not best director but it won best picture million dollar baby the boxing movie with Hillary Swank and Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman it is not a happy film by any stretch of the imagination as most Clint Eastwood films end up not being um but it does have a killer killer Boo Radley moment which is one of the reasons it's one of my favorite movies of all time there's a um, there's a character in the first act or so named Danger. He's a flyweight. He's never been in a fight. He's a he's training, quote unquote, to be a boxer. Um, but he's kind of a joke, and you know he's just he's the Neville Longbottom basically of the whole thing. And 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 some stuff happens, and you forget about Danger. And then all of the main action of the movie happens. <laughs> and at the very last moment, danger comes back and it never fails to make me cry because it's a perfect example of restoring hope when all has been lost and reminding the audience that there is still going to be good again. This universe is going to go on after the curtain has closed. Um, and, and this is, you know, this is how you know it's, okay. it's going to be okay. Uh, Clint Eastwood not known for his optimism, so I do have to applaud him for that. <laughs> well done, sir. Thanks. Um, so anyway, the reason I thought this might be a good topic for a podcast is because side characters are kind of like what fanfic is made for, right? <laughs> like we're never going to get a full movie or a book from Luisa's point of view or Hurley's point of view from Lost. Like we're never going to see everything from their eyes because that's not what they're there for. They're there to populate in the background and to be a side character. But as authors and as creators, fanfic gives us the space to explore that stuff, those characters, to give them a backstory and breathe more life into them than they had on the screen. Uh, Thankfully... It was pointed out to me how obvious it is. The reason that I love Luis, played by Michael Pena, so much um, is because Jared pointed out to me. He was like, well, yeah, he's Scott's Darcy. Of course you love him. And I was like, damn, son, you right. You right. Um, Darcy Lewis is one of the great examples of how fanfic took a side character and just refused to let her go. I swear it was by the sheer will and force of the collective energy the Darcy land of Darcy land that she's going to be res- resurrected in WandaVision and back in the MCU. Um, yeah, because she is the definition of a side character. She's technically Jane's sidekick, but Jane is not the point of the Thor movies. See what I mean? So like you can't be a sidekick of a sidekick. You know what I'm saying. Um, so, so Darcy is the one that we all picked and embraced and, the greatest thing about loving a side character is it's the same across the fandoms because canon has given you nothing or next to nothing, which gives you the creator all the fucking freedom in the world to decide their backstory 
and no one can tell you it's wrong. It's so liberating. Like the things that people have made up about Darcy's home, like we can't even agree as a fandom on certain things. Like with Harry Potter, I remember there was like a, there was Fanon, uh, which I think is, you know what? I need to add that actually to the fan fictionary. I'll do that this week. Fanon is when fandom has collectively decided on a headcanon and they've all agreed on this. Up until book seven of Harry Potter, we had all agreed phenomenally that Hermione's middle name was Jane. Uh, turns out it was Jean, but we had no way of knowing this. And we all agreed together that it was Jane, which is nice. It's nice when, when fandom can come together like this. No such thing exists for Darcy. She has 10 billion middle names. She has every scope of parentage across the board. She's from every state in the union. Sometimes she's from overseas. She's everyone and no one all at once. Um, and no one can tell us that that's wrong. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, so it is maybe not as rewarding, I guess, uh, to love a side character because if you're looking for them in your favorite films, you're going to get a small amount of screen time. You're not going to see a lot of them in your favorite book because they're on the side, all right? But <laughs> when you do embrace them and you decide to write about them, the world is your oyster and you can do whatever you want. Um, and I think it's kind of a perfect example of like fanfic as a whole and why it's so fun and why it's so much more of a playground than um, what some people refer to as real writing. Uh, <laughs> it is real writing and uh, it takes the exact same amount of work, but it can be a lot more fun because like I said, in this instance, you're already working with something, some piece, of, some entity that you love and there are not as many rules and not as many people around to be like, hey, this isn't right. This isn't the way it's supposed to be or what it says in canon because hey, hey, there is no rule book and it's all up to you. So who did we read this week? Well, we read, first of all, before I get into my fix, I do need to say that for as much as I just talked about how great it is to write about side characters, there is not a whole lot of side character intensive fic. I get it. It's a, it's a double-edged sword, right? Not every side character can have a Darcy land about them. Um, but I was kind of expecting a little bit more, especially for our first guy. Um, so I did find some Louise centric fic I would imagine it's difficult to write about Louise because he is a very specific kind of character um somebody referred to him as the bard of the Ant-Man films um he has uh, Michael Pena does a really really funny he does a hilarious character for this this guy but um Louise does these recaps of when he tells stories and they do this this wonderful bit you know where people are mouthing along as he's narrating things it's so funny it's so good um but a lot of people when they were writing kind of try to incorporate that and it's really difficult so i scanned a whole bunch um wasn't really finding what i was looking for issuing a challenge now anybody who writes me louise centric fic that is not first person there's nothing wrong with first person fanfic. I just personally can't get into it. 
If you write me a Louise, if you write Louise centric fanfic, it is not first person. I will promote it on this podcast and I will wreck it all over the place because there needs to be more Louise fanfic, frankly, as far as I'm concerned, there can never be enough. And there certainly isn't enough right now. So the Louise fic I found to share with you folks is called Pez is Good by Sci-Fi, and that is spelled P-S-I space F-I. Um, it, it physically pains me to say this, but it is on fanfiction.net, which is a very difficult place to find anything. Um, but it is where most of the Louise fic is hiding. If you're looking, go to fanfic.net because um, archive, sadly, I could find nothing. Pez is good. Uh, it's just a story about about Luis and his uh, why his Pez dispenser is important to him. Um, it's mentioned in it's it's brought up specifically why it's important to him in the second movie, but it is brought up in the first movie as well that he has one. Um, but it's really cute. It's a it's a, like a a wombat found family slash friendship fic. Um, just about how they, you know, they take care of each other, these three ex-cons and how much they love each other and how much they love Scott and Scott's family and Cassie and everybody, how they're just, it's it's a nice feel good found family, Louis centric fic, uh, pretty sure it's G rated or PG rated. It's, it's super fluffy and, and, and general. So enjoy it. I did. I want to read more Louis fic, frankly. Um, about what a good dude he is. And that's what this fic entails. And all the other wombats are equally good dudes. So that's Luis. Uh, the other, another side character I mentioned, and, and feel free to challenge me on this. I consider Hurley to be a side character in Lost. I've talked about Lost before. Um, but Hugo Reyes slash Hurley is not one of i mean he's one of the main people he gets his own flashbacks and things like that but he's he's not necessarily in the heart of all the the island drama he's like the heart of the team but you don't always remember like he's not always around (laughs) i don't know if i'm explaining this correctly i he's not like jack's sidekick I don't really think that there is like a sidekick situation in that whole thing, but like there's a love triangle. There's like a, a rotating panel of villains. He's none of those. So I'd say he's, he's in the side category. Anyway, he has a couple moments, including things that happen at the very end where it's, it's beautiful Boo Radley moments. Um, he saves the day a couple times. Hugo's the best. I love him. He's one of my favorite lost characters. And this fic that I found about him is called First Order of Business by Alyssa Bobissa. Uh, this one is on our, our on archive um, on AO3. And um, this is takes place like immediately after the finale. So if in the last 10 years you have not managed to watch all of Lost and watch the finale, uh you won't understand what this fic is about, but those of us who have and who understand what happened on the island, um, this is what happens pretty, it's like directly at the very end. It's the first moments of Hurley taking over, of working with Ben, of them figuring out what happens next. It's really sweet. They nailed all the characters' voices perfectly, especially Hurley's. 
Um, it's lovely. It's a really lovely little fic. And I uh, appreciate it. So Alyssa Bobissa, good job. Good job. And finally, the last one of the week is uh, Hogwarts and Harry Potter related. This is called Seven Students Who Fought for Hogwarts and One Time They Could Stop Fighting by Dark Sky. Um, there's an E between the words dark and sky. So dark sky, I assume is how you say it. Um, or dark kesky, I guess it could be as well. Uh, anyway, it's about the handful of students who stay for seventh year to remain as Dumbledore's army. Once Snape is headmaster, Voldemort has taken over. The Caros are in charge, who sound like the world's biggest douchebags, who like really like torturing children and all this other fun stuff. It's never been answered to me why anyone sent their children to Hogwarts for seventh year. <laughs> like, why that happened, why that was allowed to happen. These kids were getting like legally fucking tortured. Anyway. Point is, this is the group led by like Neville and Ginny and Luna, Seamus, um, Michael Corner, I want to say his name is, Hannah Abbott, um, just Lavender, like all of those side characters, those kids that we've been, we've known, we've loved, we've followed along with, they've been on Harry's adventures with him, but they're not in the main drama. And in the books and in the movies, we don't find out what they've been doing until the very end when they go back to Hogwarts, when Harry and Ron and Hermione go back to Hogwarts to do the big final battle, right? Um, but there's that moment, right? When they don't know how they're going to get through. They don't know how they're going to get into the castle. And then through the portrait comes who else but Neville Longbottom. Just the sweetest, most easily forgettable, wonderful character in the world. Uh, Neville comes through for them and he's been in the background the whole time he's been making sure that Dumbledore's army is still you know ready for battle that there's still a resistance that kids are being taken care of um he's doing all the things right and 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 Neville does not get in my opinion even though there are plenty of us who love Neville I don't feel like he gets nearly the amount of respect that he is credited because he starts out as this just like bumbling fumbling just potato of a child who loses everything and forgets everything and he sucks at school and he's trying so hard but he's so bad and he's afraid of everything and everybody picks on him and just like oh my god and when you find out later on that the choice the reason that Harry is who he is is because Voldemort decided that Harry was going to be the bigger threat. That it very easily could have been Neville who all this shit happened to. It's it's a perfect foil for me because yes, Harry Potter is the chosen one. He's the big hero, whatever, blah blah blah, Harry Potter blah 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 blah. blah. But Neville could have just sat back. He could have been like, this was not my battle. This was never my war. I'm just trying to survive. He could have taken his grandma and they could have gone into hiding, but he didn't. So maybe Harry Potter was the chosen one, but Neville is, it's been said before, I'm not, this is nothing new, but Neville is the one who chose 
to be a fighter. He chose to be a warrior, chose to be a soldier, and they didn't get to spend enough time on that in the books and in the movies. And I love that about Neville. And he doesn't ask for anything in return. And at the very end, when everything has happened and there's a huge amount of dead people and the school is in ruins and, you know, at least the very least, all they have basically that they escaped with is their lives um, and the war is over and everything's in, you know, tatters. Uh, Neville asks McGonagall in this fic if he can stay and help her rebuild. Um, and then all the other members of Dumbledore's army are like, yeah, we're going to stay too. And she's like, but you, you should go, you should go be young people who have, you know, now you have your whole lives ahead of you. And this, this place could only bring bad memories. And they're like, no, we're going to stay and we're going to rebuild it. And, um, we want you to be headmistress. And it's like, I teared up. I'm kind of tearing up just talking about it right now. I'm also weirdly emotional about turnips and Animal Crossing. So maybe I'm not the best judge of whatever. But I will tell you that this is a beautiful fic. And I loved it so much. Darkest Guy, Dark Keskeski, whatever your name is, you're a great writer. Uh, thank you for showing me this little piece that I didn't know I needed. And um, for writing the Neville that I love and that everybody I think loves. It's it's delightful. All three of these fics were a beautiful surprise, and I'm so glad that I found them, and I hope that you enjoy them as well. Um, they're all, since they are side character fics, they don't have a lot of comments. They don't have a lot of reviews, and I think that is a gosh darn shame. So if you read these fics, please tell them. Take a second, even if it's just a heart. I know commenting can be hard and scary, but it's very important and it's kind of the only way that fanfic writers get paid. So if you can take a minute and let them know how they did, I'm sure they will appreciate it. Um, and if you can take a minute and tell them where you found this fic and let them know that their fic was featured on a podcast, um, I would appreciate that. And I bet they would too. So that's your homework. Um, oh, final plea, not final plea. I'll do it again. Same point. Um, but if you are listening and are enjoying what you are hearing, if you could take a minute and rate us and review us on iTunes, that would be extra special and helpful. And I would soups appreciate it. Um, the people who have, like I said, you've already reserved yourself a place in heaven. But if you haven't, if you could take just a couple seconds and let other people know that this is a thing that you like, um, the, the ratings and the reviews help us to move up the recommendation chart and helps other people find us. So if you're not super comfortable with saying like, hey, this is a thing that I love and here's a podcast about it, I get that. But uh, you can be anonymous on iTunes and you can uh, tell people what you like about this podcast. And I would so appreciate it so, 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 so much. Thank you in advance if you have already or if you're going to. Thank you not in advance if you already have. You're wonderful and I love you. And... I think that's all I got for you. So um, sell your turnips if that's what you're going with right now, if that's something that you're into. Uh, deal with that, please. Let me know if there's some way I can help you. Um, send me turnip recipes. Now I want to know what I'm missing, if anything. And have a wonderful week. And until next time, above all else, as always, get your ship together. Get your ship together.